Hello, everyone, and welcome to Harmonized. Uh, we're your hosts, Ruth Jefferson and Phil Merton. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that um, we're going to be talking about a, a topic that's really important, especially um, especially as we consider um, the, the conversation surrounding equality. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, we're going to start with a couple of stories um, just from uh, my own personal experience because I feel like this is important in order for us to get a better grasp on what it is that we're talking about when we bring up this conversation. And so this, thanks, this first thanks story. Thanks a ton, Ruth. I just got to say thanks a ton for, for sharing this. I, I really appreciate this. I mean, it's personal for you and uh, just really thanks a lot. Thank you. Um, so the first story uh, is one that happened uh, when I was younger. I was in Mississippi with, and riding in the car with my brother when we ended up getting pulled over by the police. Um, uh, I won't go into too much detail, but what I remember feeling in that moment is I remember feeling afraid. I remember wondering... Um, if we were going to make it out of the situation okay. Um, and I, I also remember feeling powerless as I saw my, my brother um, basically being forced to deal with the police when there wasn't anything that had been done that was wrong. Um, I'm not- your description there, the fear, uh... When I'm pulled over by the police, my biggest fear is I'll get a ticket. Not, I'm, I'm not even thinking, well, will I be harmed? But that's my reality of somebody with my skin color. Not yours. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Wow. Um, I feel like it's important. This this first story is important because one of the things that it it highlights is the uh, the realities of the experience. This is something that um, those feelings are feelings that more than just myself have faced. Um, and it's, it's also important because even though I was not the primary, um, the primary target in this situation, what happened was something that affected me too. And I feel like that's something that's often overlooked I think also it's important to notice that it's not just at police stops that there is fear. It's also, it can also be in an apartment complex where you live. Um, I remember just this past year or maybe the year before that being stopped in, um, in the parking lot of my own apartment complex because the, the officer that stopped me didn't believe that I actually lived there. Um, they had they had passed by another couple that was white and they hadn't stopped them at all in order mm -hmm. to ID them but um, they waited until I was in a place that was darker and away from them mm -hmm. in order to have this interaction with me and that caused me to feel a lot of fear so 
I say that I say that to say and also to to bring out the importance of this topic. Um, but with that being said, one of the things about the way that we um, the way that we function during this uh, harmonize uh, podcast is that we we want to look at the reality and we also want to look at the spiritual reality as well and to see what the Bible has to say about these issues. Because it's important, it's important for us to work through them, even as the church, and, and maybe in some ways, especially as the church. And so, with that, um, I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you, Phil, for the um, the study portion. Yeah. Before, you, before I go, that I, I'm just thinking you you're making a flashback to uh, something that happened when I was. Uh, I think it was in college. My, I was in the car with my roommate, and uh, uh, out on the freeway, he he got pulled over, and uh, okay, two white guys, and uh, remember he, he could see no good reason for this. He was he was he was outraged that this cop had pulled over, and he got out of the car and he walked over to the, the police car to to tell well, what's going on here. If, uh, you don't do that, and. In his in that case, the cop just said, "Hey, sir, you have to get back in the car, and I'll hold it right over with you." Just calm the situation right down. But uh, the kind of thing you can get away with, uh, I'm not sure the right color. But boy, I I'm just thinking if you're in with that situation you described with your brother, I don't think it would have gone very well if it hadn't happened. You bounced out of the car and walked approached the, the police car. Yeah. Would have been guns drawn. I know. no gun drawn or anything like that in this case, just sir, sir. That's you know, we, we have to understand that reality. Uh, uh, okay, now thinking about this, there's a disparity of power here, and I'm, I'm coming around to Romans 13. That's uh, the verses that get uh, cited uh, a whole lot toward the, the Christians' relationship with uh, the uh, with the uh, with the government and with uh, the government's uh, way of enforcing its rules, the police. Uh, I'm going to, okay, hang on a second while I switch over to, I'm going to share a screen. Uh, let's see, share a screen, here, and on my mark, set, go. Okay. Is my screen being shared? It looks like it is. Hey, there it is. Great. Okay. Okay, so you see there, and I apologize, it's kind of kind of compressed, but uh, it says, uh, I've, I've headed this, God's will for people who are not in power. Uh, everything there in Romans 13, this, he wasn't at this point addressing the, the, the Roman soldiers, the uh, Roman governors, uh, any, any of those people. He's talking about the people who are not in power are looking at the people who are and i'm not going to read through this this whole thing but uh you can see here he's saying okay just be subject to governing authorities no authority except that which god has established so uh you know you're the people i'm talking to the people who aren't there uh and then he has all these words of recommendation and it's mainly about stay safe um okay verse two 
Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority of rebelling against what God has instituted, those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Okay, so be safe, people. Don't don't rebel. Uh, don't bring the police judgment on themselves. Uh, the rule is hold no care for those who do right, those who do wrong, etc. Uh, and if you do wrong, verse 4, be afraid. Rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. Okay, that reminder. They're armed. Uh, don't, don't get hurt. Uh, but then he does come around at the, in verse 5, he says, therefore it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment. In other words, uh, stay safe. But then he says, it's also a matter of conscience. Uh, it would be, now, since this is addressed to people who aren't in uh, authority, uh, who are, this is in the Roman Empire, and people who are, uh, the people who didn't have authority, they could get, there's all kinds of injustice happening, and everybody knew it. Um, so, uh, here, looking at that, not only stay safe, don't give them an excuse, but also, um, we can't do necessarily anything about what of their side of the street to keep my side of the street clean. That's recovery principle. But don't don't obsess so much about what other people are doing that you're not looking at yourself. Keep your side of the street clean. So therefore, submit to authorities not only because of possible punishment, it's a matter of conscience. You want to be able to stand before God and say, I'm Father in heaven, I'm I know you love me and uh, you're looking out for me, and I'm trusting you, and I'm uh, trying my best to, to do your will, even when it comes to people in authority who may not have my best interest in mind. Okay, then that last bit, uh, this is why you pay taxes. Reminder, you know, you you are the one that gives them the, their money. Uh, so he says, give them what you owe. Taxes, respect, and honor. Now, Here's where I think it's going to be useful, and if I can see if I can get this thing quick. Uh, there it is. Okay. So, this is all addressed to people who are not in power. There's a, a kind of an understanding here. Now, God's will for people not in power, everything that Paul says here, there's an assumption that, well, here's God's will for those who are in power. Here's what God is expecting of them. Okay, so telling the people that, that are in power, you you are not the ultimate authority. God is. God gave you your authority. You be subject to him. Important reminder to them. Uh, all of us who are not in authority, we want them to be not thinking that I'm God. God is God. Uh, that bit in uh, verses 3 and 4, uh, rulers hold no terror for those who be right, for those who be wrong. Okay, so, God's will for the people in power, you better discern between those people that you're responsible to protect and the people that you need to protect them from. Don't go getting confused on those two. That's God's will for you. Some people are counting on you. You have a responsibility to protect them, and don't go mistaking them for the bad guys. Um, then... That bit about uh, don't bear the rulers don't bear the sword for no reason. Uh, okay, you have people's lives in your hands. This is God's will for you. Keep that in mind. Be humble and prayerful about that. Do not uh, get cavalier about that. Um, and then 
that's dead at the end is why you pay taxes. Okay, so here's for the people who are in, in power, these people pay you. They pay you to protect them. Uh, you want them to respect you. You better respect them. Okay, so all of this is in, implicit in Romans 13. We don't want to forget that. Uh, Paul at this point was not talking to people in authority, but for those who are in authority, you know, this, this was the message. Respect these people that you have responsibility for. There's that going on. Um, I'm, I'm talking fast. Yes, I'm talking like I, 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 I'm anticipating that, like I usually am about, uh, somebody's got going to have their hand up and say, no, let me finish this first. So, yeah, relax, Phil. Uh, any, if you, anything you want to shoot in there, Ruth, um, please. One of the things that occurred to me when I was reading, rereading Romans 13 is um, how, because Paul was talking to people who aren't in authority, people who uh, were at the mercy of you know, government that wasn't always dependable. And Paul loved these people and he wants them to stay safe. Uh, I thought, well, there's, I think there's a lot of similarities between what Paul is saying here and the talk that African-American parents uh, have with their kids, someone who cares, like a black parent. Uh, I'm thinking a lot of what he says here is, is very similar. Uh, okay, let everyone be subject to the governing authority. So, guys, they... The police, the government, they've got the power. All right? That's a reality. If you got complaints, you better take them to God. Don't go mouthing off to them, the authorities, about it. Uh, live in that reality. Uh, rulers hold no terror for those who do right, those who do wrong. Well, behave yourselves and don't get them mad at you. Avoid that whenever you can. Just behave. Keep a low profile. Um, if they bear the sword uh, and all of that. Don't give them an excuse to hurt you. I think it's important um, for me to kind of interject here as we're, as we're having this conversation because I, I, I know where your heart is with this conversation. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I think it might be easy for someone who's, who's hearing where you're coming from and, and who doesn't know you to take what you're saying as kind of in alignment with something that's been, that's been used kind of in, a, in an abusive way. Um, kind of, I would say a form of spiritual abuse, which is where people look at the things that happen with, um, with people of color, the instances of abuse and things like that. And, and even in cases where, where there are murders by police and what, what happens sometimes is, is that even in seeing these abuses, people can take, take this passage and say, oh, well, they shouldn't have done this or they shouldn't have yeah. done that. And I know that's not where you're coming from, but at the same time, just listening to it without, without having that connection with you, that's, right. um, that's, that's something that, that, mm -hmm. uh, that people could, could hear in the yeah. course of this conversation right now. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do want to look at that in a second, something along those lines, but you, you are so right. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is all. I, I believe Paul is talking preventive. He's saying, uh, "Let's keep this from happening." He's not talking about well, 
what when the authorities do overstep their authority? What when the authorities abuse their authority and abuse you? Uh, it's, yeah, this is not about, well, see, I told you. That's, that's not, that's a terrible use of, a misuse and abuse of this right. Uh, but what Romans 13 is saying, what it's not saying. Okay, here, got some things highlighted. That first one, uh, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Now, let's not impose a meaning on that. It's so easy to say, well, just uh, whatever they say is fine. Uh, just go along with them. No, that's not what it's saying. Uh, it's acknowledge, acknowledge the reality of their authority. This is not saying you have to pretend you're all right with whatever they do. Being subject to them is acknowledging the reality. I live in this reality, uh, uh, and God is with me in this reality, and uh, doesn't mean I'm blind to what's going on. Um, that next thing about rebelling against the authority, well, again, we gotta. what do we mean by that? Uh, rebellion, no. But opposing injustice? Pushing for change? Absolutely. This is, you cannot you look at Romans 13 and say, well, just just let, let them do what they're, they're doing because, you know, God is in charge. Well, I, no, I, to oppose injustice is, that's really our, our, our duty too. For it, It's what the kindness I owe to people who are, are, are being harmed by injustice, uh, to oppose that injustice, even if it doesn't affect me. Uh, then, let's see. In verse 3, where it says, rulers hold no terror, those of you right, there's also, be aware that sometimes rulers do hold terror for those of you right. Uh, just because I'm okay, you know, I never got in no trouble, I'm fine. Uh, don't uh, close your eyes to the people that haven't had that experience. Um, Ah, uh, here, I, this is a side issue, and I probably shouldn't even bring it up, but I'm doing it anyway. Rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. I, I hear that used so often as, uh, see, death penalty is okayed by God. No, that's not what it's saying. That if we can talk about death penalty, don't use that as a proof text. This is just saying cops uh, carry guns. That's all it's saying. They can use force uh, to, uh, to keep the people from harming other people. Uh, but, yeah, well, uh, enough said about that. But then the other, this was, I think, the more important thing to, uh, from what it, in that last part where Paul says, uh, you pay taxes, they're God's servant, uh, give to everyone what you owe them. Now, what do I owe them? Uh, when Jesus said, uh, render unto Caesar, I'm sorry, I'm going back into King James, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and what God what is God's. Well, what do I owe Caesar? Now, he didn't answer that question. Because uh, that needs a whole lot of impact, unpacking. What do I owe? So, what do I owe them? Uh, for one thing, uh, if I give them a, a pass in, in justice, I'm not honoring them. That is, there's no honor at all in letting them, just letting injustice slide. Uh, it's dishonor. It's disrespectful. Uh, making them accountable. That's the respect I owe. And then uh, one more thing. This is maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves, but uh, what do I owe? I'm the I'm their their employer. I pay taxes. I, I, I I'm the one that supplies the paycheck. So I owe them a realistic job description. 
something we gotta look at. What are we asking the police to do right now in America? We're asking them to solve all our social ills. Uh, any kind of social problem, cops will take care of it. Um, we're putting way too much on them. We're not giving them what we owe them. So, a couple, few things anyway to think about with uh, Romans 13. It's addressed to people who aren't in power. Uh, it's a, a lot of it's about stay safe. Uh, and then it's about uh, what do I owe? Let's take that real seriously. What do I owe the people in, in authority? I owe them respect. I also owe them for to them to hold them accountable. Uh, and I owe them a realistic job description. Uh, here ended the epistle. Well, Phil, thank you for those thoughts. I think there's a couple of things that I want to bring up here um, before we go into the conversation. One is um, people watching may notice that Pastor Gleski is not here today. He's actually at a pastor's conference. Uh, he should be sending us some pictures, though, so we can see what happens behind the scene of mm. pastor's conferences. Um, <laughs> but also... Guys um, slumped over in the pew. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so pastor nice conferences are like are like church sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, something else that we kind of want to uh, bring up here is that as people are listening to this conversation, it may be that they notice some similarities kind of to the conversation that we had previously. The, uh, the reality is that the topic that we talked about last time um, of anger in the gospel and the topic that we're talking about now, defunding the police, do kind of dovetail like that because um, what we'll find is that a lot of these issues actually do. But this conversation is one that is specifically focused on defunding the police and that conversation and what are some of the topics that are kind of undergirding that and um, and kind of keeping with having that conversation. Um, let's let's go back to really where you ended the, um, the Bible study portion, Phil, and kind of talk about um, what is what it is that we are expecting of police officers, because uh, I feel like that's a good transition point. And then we can kind of work our way through some of these other issues as well. Yeah, I, uh, I know uh, I've got that at uh, my church, uh, we every Friday night we have this group. We get together to uh, support each other in staying sane and sober. And uh, uh, not everybody that comes in is uh, real well versed in that yet. Uh, some of them are coming in just because you know they're curious. Some of them are coming in because they heard there's a meal served uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, that people come in. And uh, sometimes they just don't know how to act right. And I mean, to the point where they're disruptive, to the point where uh, uh, threatening the whole evening. Uh, and I know it's so easy to just quick, be quick to pull the trigger on calling 911. Get the cops over there right now. Uh, instead of exploring other options, uh, we, I, I know I've been guilty of that. I think one one of the guys, uh, my friend Jeff, who God rest his soul, is no longer with us. But boy, he had this way. Uh, one one woman that we all knew that would come in every now and then. She would always be uh, drunk and uh, loud and, and belligerent. Uh, she was not a happy drunk. She was always an angry drunk. And uh, 
And when I'm ready to call 911, here's Jen. He kind of gentle her out the door. He can kind of put his arm around her and say, Now, darling, you know I love you. As he's easing her toward the door, Now, darling, you know that I mean the best for you. And he's just gentle talking her out the door. Oh, that is such a great skill. Whoa. Uh, why aren't we doing more of that instead of saying, first thing you got to do, call cops? I would say um, even kind of one of the, another experience that I've, that I've had um, just in terms of the mental health aspect of things. Mm. Um, sometimes people can go through different points in their lives. I remember one time I was in college and I was dealing with a personal struggle. And one of the things that they ended up doing as kind of way of getting me through that, I guess, was calling the police actually to take me to the hospital. Mm. <laughs> um that that was an interaction that I that I feel like um, if I was in a worse state of mind than I was in would have escalated things instead wow. of instead of actually improving it. And so getting get, getting the police involved in all of these other in all these other areas that really um, should be handled in different ways is mm -hmm. it's not it's not exactly beneficial and can actually be detrimental. Mm -hmm. um, Handling things at the, at the lowest level, lowest possible level of authority. That's uh, generally a guiding principle for any organization. And uh, it's true in just general life. Handling at the lowest level of authority you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say that. And then also, um, one of the things that people will say, will probably say um, in relation to this conversation, and, and I've heard it in some places before, is that if the police aren't the ones doing it, then who will do it? And what happens if a situation turns and something goes um, awry with the with the social worker or whoever gets called? Yeah. The, the reality is that It, it's not always something that's um, that's going to be clear cut as far as as far as how to necessarily work that situation out. But at the same time, there's not always um, a serious investment that's made by departments in order to get um, training for these areas as well. Mm -hmm. um, I would also say that the dependency on police in order to make these sort of make these sort of calls in order to come out during these certain times is is also probably something that contributes to the mentality of the thin blue line because at, at the same time that we are um you know we're calling them to do these things we're giving them more and more authority we are we're we're feeding into a mentality that is toxic yeah very much so. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, uh, uh, that feeling that these they are the 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 line of defense between us and chaos. Um, I'm grateful for the police. I'm glad that they, they can call 911 when things are, are getting uh, violent and, and dangerous. Uh, boy, when uh, we put that much on them, that's not good for them. It's not good for us. Uh, when you when you put people up on a pedestal, uh, they can fall down hard. You don't want them up that high. It's a dangerous place to be. 
Mm -hmm. I've seen, uh, I, I, I personally, oh, this is just me. Uh, every time I see a, a yard sign that says, we back the bay, I, I get nervous. I'm thinking, what are you saying? I mean, who, who doesn't back the badge? Yeah, I do. Of course, I, I support the police. I'm grateful to the police. I back the badge. What? Anytime there's an accusation, anytime somebody says the police have committed an act of violence, I back the badge. Is that what we're saying? You know, when we put them in a position where they can do no wrong, they are the heroes. Uh, uh, we're not doing them a favor. What Again, it goes back to what Paul said. Uh, give them what you owe. And uh, unquestioning loyalty is not what we owe. Uh, in fact, then we're being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. I would also um, bring up at this point the difference between some of the um, some of the perspectives on the defund the police topic because. Um, this is a conversation that we can engage in and depending on um, where we've heard this before or um, what literature or media presentations we're used to, it can mean different things. It can mean anything from defund and abolish the police to um, let's take money away from um from the police in certain areas to send that money over to different areas so that there's, so that there are more supports that more social supports that are in place that can actually benefit um, in, in that way, as opposed to having it all be from the police. Mm -hmm. Reallocating funds. It's, sure. Why not? You always do that in the budget. What's the best place to use it? Mm -hmm. And where do you get the most bang for your buck? It's not necessarily from uh, more police officers, uh, you know, what about more people who know how to uh, finesse uh, somebody who's uh, having a, a, a bad day mentally? My friend Jim, he, he would never take that money. But my goodness, the way he could just read somebody and just settle them down, talk them, uh, talk them down from wherever they were. It's all of a sudden a scared person who has a gun on them. Yikes. Uh, can escalate things. Yeah. Um, I would I would say also something that is important is creating a space for open dialogue between police officers and um, and people who are part of the general public. And and as I as I bring this topic up, there's really two points that uh, that would be important to discuss here. One is the change that. Um, that has happened in terms of the ability to actually have these more positive interactions with police. One of the things that you that you could have done um, previously um, in, in different communities is have police ride-alongs. But um, even even just yesterday, I've been looking into this for, for months now, and for myself, um, in the area where I am you can't even ride along with police. Like that's, that's not a thing that they have open. Mm. And, and so not only is there, not only is there a separation where, um, where you can't really have those interactions that, that you would have once kind of turned to, but it seems like it's, it's more of, it's more intentional in, in some ways. And then also um, that kind of brings to the second part of that, which is that um, 
it used to be that police officers lived in the communities that they serviced. And I think that the fact that that is no longer the case actually contributes more to this difficulty, to the um, to the rates of abuse that we're seeing because people are not used to 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 interacting with people and having normal interactions instead yeah. of just uh, interactions where they're getting involved um, because of because of this call or that call. Hmm. Oh boy, I, uh, I think of one friend of mine who was. Uh, uh, chief of police in a uh, community, uh, Milwaukee County community. Uh, and it was, the community was one of the uh, uh, highest income per capita communities in, in the area. And there was no way that the police who were employed by the community could afford to live in that community. So of course he wasn't going to be there. Uh, they've, I know in, I think it's true in a lot of places uh there's rules if you're gonna if you are going to be employed by this community you must live in this community uh which you know sometimes that doesn't work so well uh like in milwaukee uh when they had that rule and a lot of cops lived as close as they possibly buy a house right at the edge of milwaukee as close to a, another community as they could so it didn't really serve any purpose that's interesting because your your description of that even in the community where you are kind of communicates a lack of willingness to be public servants yeah gosh uh it it can be tough uh they want cop like anybody wants to wants his family to be safe. Uh, I want to live in a place where I, I don't have to be nervous uh, about kids going out. Uh, so I put that together with, uh, I want to be a public servant. I can be in conflict. I can acknowledge that that's the sort of thing to go through. Well, that, that idea of desiring safety is definitely important. I feel like that's something that really... Um, we can all be kind of connected with is, is that we do desire to be safe. But one of, one of the things that we miss out on, um, even with that desire being, being an understandable one is the fact that if police officers are living within the communities that they're serving, then they have a greater opportunity Mm. in order to work with other community leaders in bringing about things that would help to create more safe systems. Agreed. Yeah, but that, that disconnect. Uh, I'm just one. You know, my my job is compartmentalized off from the others. I I'm the, the guy that carries the gun in, and uh, you know, somebody else can make these, these decisions and decide on policy. I'm I'm just the guy that carries it out. Yeah, some something is wrong there. We're not we're not working together more closely. I I remember how that uh, being, that being pointed out. Uh, I apologize if I, I'm repeating myself, but I know I mentioned this before about uh, how the uh, 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 restorative justice people uh, talk about how the uh, criminal justice has kind of degenerated into a, a just a, a two-way thing. Uh, it's a, uh, an interaction between the, uh, the person who's been accused 
the defendant and uh, the uh, criminal justice authorities. Mm-hmm. It's a, just a two-way. Uh, the public is brought in, and not much, the, the victims of a crime, they're brought in as witnesses. And once they perform that function, thank you very much, now back out, and we'll deal with this situation. Uh, restorative justice people wanted to make, make it back into a four-way thing. Uh, that criminal justice is an interaction between the defendant or the, uh, and the, uh, the criminal justice people themselves and the public and the victims that all of us are interacting in this to, to work out this this situation that developed because of crime mm-hmm. that sounds like a, a more positive model definitely yeah and uh, um, great things i've seen great things happen when uh instead of the, the victims of crime regimes uh, said okay you've done your part and back off uh when they're given a chance to come back into the situation to uh, uh to address the person who brought harm into their lives, uh, to have face-to-face, to get some understanding. Uh, there's that. There's also, you know, when the public is brought back in, that uh, uh, we hear this, this this person that committed this crime, well, nobody, hardly anybody stays in prison forever. Most people are back out uh, within a few years. They're back in the community. So the community says, okay, we want to have something to say. Uh, mm-hmm. We want this to be a successful re-entry. We, we don't want to be harmed again. We want to help. But, you know, so get that conversation going. And don't yeah. just dump it all on the people that carried the guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that balance is, is definitely important. I think um, something else that's important here is as well, um, as we're having this conversation, is we we've brought up a couple of different times now the importance of not placing everything on police officers and and that is definitely important but something else that i want to make sure that we do state is that this idea that it is important to have some system in place um to to maintain law in in order that way but i think kind of kind of in thinking about that um, one of the things that we want to make sure of is kind of, um, and, and, and this is kind of based more on what I would, what I would say is, is kind of like a biblical model of understanding, which is that the law is only going to do so much in order to even promote more positive behavior. Absolutely. And so there, there really needs to be re re envisioning there, in terms of how do how do we go about this goal of, um, of empowering communities, and also working together with all of the systems that are present within the community, so that what we have there is a structure that's beneficial for everyone. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That, that Bible says over and over again, the law stirs up the sinful nature. It doesn't, uh, it's not the solution. It can kind of keep things in check. Uh, like Paul pointed out in Romans 13, therefore it's necessary to submit the authorities not only because of possible punishment, uh, don't don't get your head caved in, uh, 
but also as a matter of conscience. Well, where does your conscience come from? It's, you know, it's, it's developed as a person understands more and more who am I? Uh, it's my real identity. Uh, I'm, I'm loved by God. Uh, I'm a child of God. I'm a part of a community meant to be a blessing to the community and to the people around me. Uh, those things have to be installed. Uh, just fear alone is not going to do the job. Yeah. And the law is about fear. Yeah, definitely. So also as, as far as this conversation is concerned, it's, it's important for us to um, realize that what we're, what we're having here is the start of a conversation mm. and it's going to take not only just more conversation, but it's also going to take some action and people actually willing to come together and have um, basically like, Come to come together to actually take action in working together. Why mm -hmm. well, I, I'm I gotta admit I'm really new at this. Uh, uh, I was not much into social action uh, until uh, actually I gotta give my daughter credit. She she really got going on looking at uh, the community, looking at. Uh, justice and injustice in the community and, and feeling like, hey, I have something to say and I and there's stuff I can do. Uh, and boy, she got her whole family going on this, taking a look at uh, what's going on. Uh, what is it right? Is it wrong? And if it's wrong, what can we do? Uh, so, you know, we're starting to look at these things, police policy, uh, etc. That I always kind of left it in their hands before. Now, you know, in my town, we just got a new police chief after, gee, I don't know how many years of the uh, same police chief. And he says he wants to make some changes, and there's changes that need to be made. And uh, it's just getting me thinking, uh, what can I do to be part of the conversation? Uh, you're going to pass it off to my daughter. She'll let us know. I'm lazy. I just, I'm doing to her now what we do to the cops. Just, uh, it's not my job. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is uh, finding those those ways to, to get in on the conversation and, and influence and change where you see changes in community. We got to do that. We owe it to our community. We owe it to the people that uh, that really get hurt by injustice. All of us get in hurt, hurt by injustice, but some people way more than others. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, with that, I think this is actually going to be a good place for us to close today. So Phil, would you mind closing us out with prayer? Okay. Lord God, you are the ultimate authority, and that's a good thing. We can trust you. We can't trust ourselves, can't trust other people, not not the way we can trust you. You, you are, are worthy of all trust. Uh, you never let us down. You, you always have a very best interest in mind. Thank you for that. Thank you for letting us know that. And, of course, you love working through people. That includes putting people in authority. Um, Lord God, help us, all of us who are in authority, help us to keep that difficult Hold that very seriously. 
uh, to always be looking at uh, the people we have responsibility toward and the rest my God want. Uh, help us not to be having authority for the sake of authority. Uh, all of us who are parents, all of us who are teachers, pastors, have, who have some authority over somebody else, guide us in our blood. Help us to be loving and love, show your love to people. And all of us who are not an authority, God, help us to trust you. Help us not to be so focused on the people that misuse the authority that we lose sight of the fact that, hey, I'm, I'm under God's protection, ultimately. Help us to help us to live in that reality and also in the reality that there's things we can do to change the situation. Uh, help us to open up our eyes to that. Open up our hearts to to love the people who are being hurt, to love the people who are misusing authority, to love the people who are trying their best to use authority right. Uh, and succeeding sometimes, failing sometimes. Uh, help us to look, do everything we do in love and trust you where there's nothing we can do and take the action where there is something we can do. Serenity to accept the things we cannot change and to change things we can to lose control of the difference. Uh, help us, Lord. We need help. Bring in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Phil. You and thank you to everyone who's joined us today. Um, adios. See you later.